half of that is not only does it bring joy to the heart, but pleasantness comes from their heartfelt advice. Now, how many of you have a friend who likes to give advice? How many of you like that friend who likes to give advice? You may, you may not. Now, there are those kind of friends that are around you a lot. And they know who you are. They know your deep struggles. They know uh, in the depths of who you are, what you're like, and, and um, the things you dislike. And, and they've heard you and walked with you through all of life. And when they come to give advice, it is heartwarming. It is pleasant. Even if they're hard words, a good, solid friend, someone who you love and respect or someone that loves and respects you will have no issue when you sit toe-to-toe, uh, -toe, knee to knee across the table at breakfast when you have to say the hard words. If they are a deep and true friend, those words will be pleasant and helpful and encouraging. And so my challenge to us is before our calendars go crazy, before we get to the end of our life and look around and wonder who are our friends and who are all these people around me, I would encourage you in this life, find at least one, maybe two, probably at the most three. Good, solid, deep friends that walk on your faith journey with you, that hear you when you cry, that hug you when you're in pain, that encourage you when everything is going well. You may not have that with everybody, but you need at least one that you can have that kind of relationship with. And if you're one of those who likes to kind of flit into somebody's life and give them all of your advice and then flit out, I'm just going to encourage you, you may want to be careful because sometimes that doesn't go like you think it might, okay? Make the investment. I promise you that there are people in this world who are longing. They're in fact dying on the outside of, of churches or even on the inside for someone, anybody, to love them and care for them and to be their friend. So make a friend. Be a friend. Make time. Try it again. Make time. Make time. Do not forsake your friend. Now, I don't know if you all, and somebody's going to have to help me, there's a, there's a country western song out there right now that talks about uh, you kind of know who your friends are when you're broken down on the side of the road and, and they're the ones that show up and don't make excuses. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can anybody help me with that song? Nobody, you know what I'm talking about. Basically, you, you, you figure out who your friends are when you're in trouble. Now, the other thing is, and it counts for us, do people know you're their friend because when they are in need, you don't make excuses, you don't try to kind of get out of it, or you don't say, I'm busy, you just simply say, you know what, I'm there. I'll be there for you. Now, granted, folks, listen to me. 
those kinds of friends, one, two, or three in life. If you're that way with 12 or more, you're going to wear yourself out if you show up to every person who says, I need. So, you know, you got to find those that you can really go deep with and really help. But if everybody in this room were to work on that, we would all have those deep kind of relationships and friendships that we can count on. But if your friend calls and needs to talk, don't forsake them. If your friend calls and they may, may need money, don't forsake them. Don't let them hang out there all by themselves, all alone, because it is our responsibility as Christians, no matter how busy our calendar is, to take care of those God has placed into our lives with the care that Jesus Christ would care with. You see, when Jesus was facing the ultimate sacrifice of giving His life, He did not forsake us. He did not say, oh, they are not worth it. He did not say, well, let me check my calendar. I don't know if I can do it today. He simply said yes to God. And He was right there for every single one of us, for our faith and for our life. Now, there's a flip side to this. How many of you all are very self-sufficient people? Raise your hand. Come on, folks. I know you, if you don't raise, some of you I could come out there and raise it for you because I know you well enough. Type A personalities, you know, I've got it all taken care of. I've been born and raised in the United States of America, which means I am independent, right? I don't need anybody's help. All right, you ready? Fooey. Fooey. You may think you're independent. However, as I read Scripture, I believe God has made us dependent. Dependent on Him. And folks, I'm even going to push it to say dependent on each other because if we belong to the body of Christ, as you have heard me say, we are not just called the body of Christ because it's some kind of cool phrase. We are the body of Christ in this world. And people in this world need to be able to depend on us. And we need to be able to depend on each other. We were not necessarily created to be independent beings. Now, I'm not talking about codependent either, so don't go all that way. I'm talking about dependent. When we need help, ask. Rely on a friend. Because it's better to have a next-door neighbor as a friend than have to call your brother or sister who lives in California to get a plane ticket and fly down and help you move or help you do this or be here when it's better to have a close-by friend that you depend on, that you rely on, that you trust. In Scripture, it says this, no greater love knows a person than this than when they lay down their life for their friends. Take the example of Christ. We may never die physically for our friends, but we may have to turn off our blackberries. We may have to fold up our calendars. We may have to put aside something that we really wanted to do in order to be a deep and abiding friend to someone and to have a deep and abiding friend for ourselves. Does that make sense? Wow. I heard somebody, one of the little babies said something. Let's try this again. Does that make sense? All right, good. I was 
beginning to wonder, am I just talking baby talk back there? She's responding, nobody else is. So make time. All right. Second scripture. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. I love that scripture. I just found that scripture not very long ago, and I just, I love it. How many of you all have a job? Now, how many of you all have a job and you work in the home? Everybody raise your hand because you all have jobs. Come on. Everybody has some kind of a job, even if it's just taking care of yourself. Okay? Everybody has a job. Everybody is busy. Everybody has something to do. But I know as a dad... I pray, and in, in fact, I spent, I don't know how many nights and days knowing I was going to go into the ministry, knowing God had called me into the ministry, going, I don't want to get all the way down here to the end of my ministry and turn around and my boys aren't there. Because what good does it for me to help everybody else and they're not there. What good does it for me to get all the way here and if I were not to have had kids or even with kids, I turn around and I look and my wife is not there with me to celebrate the joy of a new church plant or the hope of a future. What what does it mean for us to come all the way to the end of our lives and to turn around and wonder where our parents are? Where, well, we may, our parents probably will be with God by that point, but where our kids are, where our spouse is. Because we can chase, and folks, I guarantee you, the world and our, uh, our economy and everything else will say, you just chase the almighty dollar and everything will be fine. You run until you are completely ragged. You have every piece of equipment that you need in your house, plus some. You have all the food you need, plus a ton that you throw away. You got it all. And this world will be satisfied with you running yourself into the ground and turning around at the end of your life and going, man, I missed it. I worked so hard for this world, I worked so hard for my job. I worked so hard for the money. I worked so hard to provide. And yet, I never even spent the time with the people that I'm providing for. I didn't make time. I just let my calendar take me in all kinds of places. And I forgot how to say no to everybody but my family. I'm going to ask, Troy, can you turn me down just a smidge because I keep getting a little feedback. Um, and I don't know if it's me or if it's something else. Can you all still hear me? Yeah. yeah, okay. Right before it, that, it says, little with fear of the Lord is better to have little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. So for me, we have some choices. What will we chase in this world? I go back to the story of Joshua. 
You may or may not know Joshua. Joshua was one who, as the song goes, fit the battle of Jericho. Basically, he fought in Jericho. He's the one, if you know the story, had all the people march around Jericho seven times and the walls came tumbling down and they found victory. After that victory, he got all the people together and this is what he says to the people of God as he led them. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in, in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. He has been so faithful to us. We as a household, not me as the leader, not me going off and doing my own thing, but me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now I'm going to have, let's have a little test. Now we don't have any gods of the river Euphrates uh, in Egypt these days or the gods of the Amorites, but we do have some gods in our culture. We may not call them gods, but we have them. So I want you to throw out in your minds some of those things that we might chase after and allow our family not to be able to serve God. You want to throw some out for me? Money. Money. Career. Career. Success. Success. Security. Friends. Homework. Homework. Beauty. Playtime. How about Little League Baseball or soccer or peewee football or dance with the ladies or some of the guys? Yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Sorry. <laughs> the truth is, folks, our kids will be as, be as driven. We will be as driven as we allow ourselves to be or as much as we push now, all of us in this room, and I'm talking to folks with kids right now who are younger, so the rest of you bear with me a little bit. Most of us, if we thought for a moment, the truth is most of our kids are not going to play professional football. They're not going to be professional golfers. They're most likely not going to be professional cooks or uh, dance uh, Queens, ballet, black swan, whatever. They're not going to be cheerleaders for the rest of their lives. At some point we say, okay, enough is enough. We are going to stop and we are going to take time to be with God. We are going to have our moments with God as a family. I want to share with you, actually I'm going to wait after I read this next scripture. We can chase money, a career, or things. Or we can choose like Joshua that day and say, my house will serve the Lord. In Genesis 18, 18 through 19, it says, Abraham will surely become a great powerful nation, great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham 
what he has promised him. God charged Abraham to lead and direct his children and his household, to bring honor and glory to God, and two, to be a blessing to the nations. And so for us, will we choose today, beyond all the choices that we can, to say we will take time, we will as a family serve the Lord, we will as friends that gather around a table for a cup of coffee choose to serve the Lord and to follow Him. I want you to watch a little video that is about a conference that Leah and I are about to go to, but I think it has some very poignant words for us as a church.
Now, some of us in the room have grown children. And I hope you heard the statement by one of the leaders of the bank. You guys can go ahead and come up. That the shortest distance between your child's heart, and he said your grown child's heart, and Christ is you. Doesn't matter how old they are. The shortest distance between their life and Christ is you. So I just ask you, I beg you, I tell you this is one of the foundations upon which this church is built. Make time. Thank you for your families. Make time for your friends. And folks, I also want us to be real clear. This is a family right here. So make time for your family. Amen? And amen. We've talked about friends and family, and I just wanted to sing a song one more time about my best friend, my greatest friend, Jesus. If you guys need to pray, if you're like, well, I've heard people say that, but I don't really know what that means come up here and talk to Bill. You can go back to the, the prayer table. Jesus can be your best friend. You can rely on him and trust him. Oh